This is Happy Monkey. This is Happy Monkey. Yes, yes, everybody. So yeah, man, we, we want to talk about the little uh, first road trip we took as a, a, a squad in ten. When uh, uh, Happy Monkey hit the road and took their talents to New England, Boston. Yeah, man, for the NCIA uh, conference, right? Yes, that's basically yes, what it that's was. exactly what it was. Um, it, yeah, we fucking took our asses in the hoopty, man, and we drove the team up there to Boston. Some of them took it, got there in the bus. Shout out to to the whole team. Uh, Gender problem. I am Black Rose. Ralph, David, Tech King. You know everybody who you know took the uh, took their time out of their lives and uh, came up to the conference and represented for the Happy Monkey team. We, and we hit up the first kind of guy that they ever had up there. They were the, yeah, in Boston, kind of guy that we yeah, we went to the Boston to the first ever kind of guy that we made it a little late, you know, in Happy Monkey fashion, I guess. Um, but it, it was really good there. to see what all the all the little uh, all the different uh, situations going on in the cannabis industry up in New England. From like, there's a lot of craft growers in like yep. Maine, you know, Massachusetts, I didn't know, Rhode I didn't, Island. Yeah, I didn't know that in Boston they didn't have many. Uh, dispensaries at all Yes They do not I didn't know that That was crazy You know So we learned a lot about that You know the Team uh, The team got to like Experience the whole conference thing Because not everybody got to go To all the conferences That me, you and David Get to go You know So This is the first time That everybody uh, Experienced that yeah, and it was the first time us testing, like, you know what I mean, like seven, eight of us traveling and seeing how we all, you know, operate together, you know, on in, the road. and f- In one house, yeah, the, the, the real yeah, world, it was the monkey real, real world happy monkey. <laughs> it was crazy, nah, but it was good, man. And we had a launch of our website officially, yes. man, com. everybody. Make sure you follow that and go see what's going on. Keep current. You know, keep history, keep present. We got it all right there. Everything that got to do with Happy Monkey is on our website. Go shop, spend your money, um, see what's up with David over there. We got signed a little bit of my man, uh, my nigga Ralph. We going to have to end up calling him Silent Ralph from now on. Um, 
you know, everybody here in the team, Rose, uh, Rose, Jen, like I said, everybody that's in the team that's been helping us, if you want to see something about them, it's on the website. You could go see our Happy Monkey TV, the YouTube, B-Tube, all our links. You can see it on there, Monkey Sessions on the good shit. Uh, the podcast, you could definitely catch the podcast on the website, right, my brother? Yes, yes. I'm going to be honest, man. I, I was surprised up there. They broke all the stereotypes as far as, like, Massachusetts and New England people, what they say, because they showed us so much love yeah, out there. Yeah, it was love. I'm everybody, lie, you know, was really love. showed us a lot of love and yeah, really embraced man. us. So shout out to everybody in the cannabis industry up there in New England. Yeah, in New England, because we met a lot of interesting people, not only from Boston. It was Boston, uh, different parts of Massachusetts, Rhode Maine, Island. Rhode Island. Um, New Hampshire, New like, Hampshire. you know, it was everybody that was trying to, you know, get a pulse on what's going on, right? Exactly, yeah. So they really let us know. They got, like, a lot of craft cannabis stuff going on up there. And and in the convention, the coolest thing I saw, they had this bus that was, like, tricked out. That was, like, yeah. a mobile dispensary. Yeah, that was fire. What was the name that of that bus, fire. man? What was it? Enlightened.io. Enlightened.io. Shout out to them. That shit yeah, was that shit pimped was out. Yeah, it was super pimped out. I ain't gonna lie. I was down to smoke in there. They lucky we was on the floor. You know what I mean? Like, but that was a real, real fly. That was a fly look. I'm not gonna lie. Definitely not gonna lie. Um, what else can we say, man? This shit was dope, man. And then you I know? attended the Canavest one day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like an speakers. investment conference yeah. and stuff, and they kind of broke down a lot of information about what's the current state of the cannabis industry, how there's not a lot of investment coming in right now because, uh, you know, stocks are so down and all these different things. So it was really, you know, educational and enlightening. And, you know, we had to show New England the happy monkey vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it seemed man. like they were really receptive to it. And we'll be coming soon to a town near you before you know it, everybody out there. Absolutely, absolutely. The Happy Monkey Creative Agency is coming to you very soon, everybody. Uh, we'll be providing all sorts of uh, hospitality media and uh, just vibes. Like we said, man, we coming. Um New England, everybody, yo, shout out to the dudes in Maine. They are growing the fire, you know. They the got the murder one of fire, there. I ain't going to lie. They got that. They are like, yo, you know, so basically after the conferences, obviously we in a recreational state, so everybody's showing off what they got, and it was crazy. The Maine guys got some fire, I'm not going to lie. Shout out to everybody that pulled up to the after party we had for our website launch. Absolutely. You know, and came and showed love and signed the board and everything. Yeah, that you was know. cool as shit, man. Thank you guys for supporting and showing love to us and attending, man. It was a really cool vibe up there. I'm not going to lie. I was super surprised we seen all sorts of people pull up. It was like literally like... Uh, uh, the good old white folks uh, with the ties and the and the shoes, but the, the but the crazy white folks like my bad log Baltimore tatted up, you know, crazy. It was all crazy. Then it was us there. It was like it's like like we said, man. We bring the the culture and corporate everywhere we go. Is that so. the cannabis is the great equalizer? When you yeah. add some official vibes, everybody leaves their egos at the door, and everybody just vibes out, smokes, and you know, lives their best life. Yeah, man, that shit was a great vibe, and I think everybody had had a really, really good time. And I think it was cool to see everybody operate 
in a different environment and watch everybody kind of like excel and like step up to the plate as far as like the happy monkey team you know what i mean like it was crazy yeah man look out for those pictures and those videos of that trip man that was yeah. definitely one for the books man and it just showed that you know we're ready to take the show on the road to a lot of different cities and a lot of recreational markets and show you know definitely show people a little bit of taste of the vibe you know Oh, look out for us. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So um, shout out to the New England area, everybody. Uh, we can't stress this enough. Um, it was very, very welcoming. And we definitely coming back just on the regular because, you know, I think we should just be showing up because it's right there. It's very close by. It's a very, it's like you said, it's very recreational. So everybody is straight up smoking it up. In the New England area, especially in Boston, let me tell you. So that was a good time. Um, everybody stay tuned. Theater near you, like my man, like this over here. Yes, yes, man. So shout out to everybody from New England. Thank you for all the love. Look out for us coming to a city near you with our events and our product launches and all our different things. Stay tuned at happymonkey.com. Peace, love, and happiness to everybody out there. Peace. Welcome to the Happy Monkey Boulevard. What's up, Ladies what's up? and gentlemen, today. we have some very special guests today. today. They just happen to be some Harlem natives like ourselves. Just so happens to be. We have our brother Julio Casado, CEO of Piff Plant Inspired. Plant Inspired Future. Plant Inspired Future. So P-I-F. be on the lookout for that. We have his counterpart, Mr. Landon Dias, Chief Strategist Officer of Piff and ex-political director of MedMen and so many more things. Welcome to the Boulevard, we everybody. We got some professionals up in here today, y'all. Thank you for we, having us. We, yeah, we, we ain't got the regular us. Harlem motherfuckers up in here. We got, the, we got the nice professional motherfuckers that's representing out here in the cannabis industry, everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Landon, please reintroduce yourself and let everybody know who you are, where they can find you, and what you do. Hey, guys, first and foremost, thank you for having me and Julio up here. Uh, You know, you guys are part of the culture, and we appreciate what Happy Monkey is about. And being all native New Yorkers is rare sometimes that you have nothing but native New Yorkers. Especially uh, in this industry. Right, in this room. Of color, at that, too. Absolutely. That's another big thing, man. Absolutely. You know, I'm proud to be up here. So, like I said, Landon Days, I'm from New York. Uh, Originally from Harlem, also representing Mount Vernon, but I live in the South Bronx now. Uh, went to Morehouse College and yes. I'm into law school, do a couple other things. So before uh, PIF, uh, I was at MedMen. Actually, before MedMen, I was the political director for the Marijuana Policy Project. And I worked on the PTSD bill, medical marijuana expansion. Then I came over to MedMen. I got recruited by Adam and Morgan. That was dope. I was there for a minute, did compliance and political work. And then I became the national director of partnerships. And then uh, an opportunity came up. I uh, met with Julio and Marvis, who's our uh, COO of the company. Marvis from Detroit. And they said, listen, man, we, we know it's th- this industry is not easy, but we think with your skill set and what we're doing, you know, we have something here. So PIF has a hemp processing license in New York, and we have a, uh, a cultivation, uh, medical marijuana cultivation license in Michigan right outside of Flint. 
So to me, it connected. You got Flint, Michigan, you know, a black, yeah. you know, yes. large black populations which have been disenfranchised. Absolutely. New York, uh, large black and Latino populations that have been disenfranchised from the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. So I, it, to me, Piff tells a story. And I think telling the story is going to be key in this industry, and that's why I joined us. And then, you know, Julio sold me on it, and now we're just trying to make the dream live. And as you know, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but we're we're (laughs) grinding. Absolutely. Mr. Julio, yourself, please introduce yourself. Tell us where we can find you and what you do in PIF and all the good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, So Julio, uh, like you said, I was actually born in La Repubblica. I was born in uh, Capita. Okay, our native brother. Dominican brother. Okay, our native. Okay. I came here, uh, I was about four years old when I immigrated and lived, grew up here in New York, grew up in Harlem, over in the Polo Grounds. Uh, nice. My career did not start in cannabis. Uh, actually, this is my first foray into the cannabis industry on the business side. Uh, my background is in marketing. I uh, have done a variety of different things, as well as recently launched my own marketing agency, which uh, I've grown with uh, my partners over on that side. And myself and Marvis, who we went to college together, you know, we were talking a lot about cannabis, right? Being people who used it, being people who were impacting a lot of different ways, whether personally or our family members who were impacted, unfortunately, by the criminal justice system. And we felt like, listen, we're ambitious guys. We've done a lot with our careers. If there's an opportunity here, we need to make a play. And so we started doing a lot of research, speaking to a lot of people. People, Thankfully, that actually uh, got us in contact with Landon. You know, it's cannabis, I think, is probably the most political industry I've ever seen. And mind you, I started my career in aerospace and defense. There are entire companies that are propped up in that industry due to government contracts. And I think cannabis is more political than that. So meeting someone like Landon right. who understands the ins and outs of politics, both on the cannabis side as well as in New York specifically, mm-hmm. was like an eye-opener for us. And I think that we just ran the table from there. We said, let's form the company. Let's make it happen. Let's start building. Let's build. Let's build. Um, you know, we got the hemp processing license. We're building a cultivation facility out in Flint. And for us, the sky's the limit. I respect that, man. I respect that, especially you guys. Like I said, we, you know, we don't, meet a lot of people in this industry with uh some sort of professional background in general you know because you got to have some sort of uh like we talked about it in our first episode bringing your talent from something else is important in this industry you know what i mean you can't just all right you necessarily not don't have to have a whole cannabis background but you have marketing right right so you bring that profession to cannabis, which is going to help Mr. Landon over here, right? Pretty much, right? Yep. Help me and help the rest of us because you know what's marketing. This industry is going to need marketing as well. It's going to need brands. It's going to need brands. Brands like Happy Monkey, right? Yeah. People that you hear it and you just associate an experience with it. And I think that that's going to be a really big part of how cannabis grows. And that's part of what we try to do here. That's why it's great to have, you know, people that look like us on the professional level, especially that come from the same places like we do, because we feel, and that's part of what we're trying to do here with the podcast, the biggest divide in the industry is the corporate and the culture in cannabis. We feel like they're totally isolated away from each other. And to have an optimal, healthy industry, they're going to have to find the happy medium Mm -hmm. or it's not going to be fully optimal. That's what we try to do here. We try to get people from the culture and get people from the corporate so like that they can learn about each other Absolutely. and find a happy medium and only for the industry to thrive because I think they're both very imperative to the industry maximizing its potential. Yeah. 
And I mean, it's funny how me and Landon met. I don't know if you know this. No. So me and Landon yeah. met. We probably had seen each other briefly, but when we really clicked was we both spoke at the Source 360 mm-hmm. presentation. And that's when, like, we really clicked. And that's how, you know, our relationship started. No, and that was a, that was a great... That was me coming from kind of the corporate cannabis world, which you were just mentioning, and transitioning into more, I guess, the cultural cannabis world to mm-hmm. a degree. So it was eye-opening in some instances. Um, it also shows some of my fears of who's going to get pushed out and who's going to mm-hmm. make it. Like, we we know everyone's not going to make it. No, like it's, it's, it, that's it's, for sure. It's, Nobody's... No. And that is going to be... A good thing, it's a bad. It's a bad thing mostly because it's. it's we need, we, we want to regulate the system. We want to make it, you know. We want to make it a fair system. You know, we want to make it a safe system. We've seen the vaping issues and things like that. We want to make sure what we're using is the most natural. Correct. You know, and that's what we're big on. You know, all of our. You know, right now our hottest market is, is our CBD teas. It's all organic. You know, our COAs for our hemp is you know no pesticides, no herbicides. Um, but you know, it's it's. So I want to see a healthier system right you know i one thing i never thought about when i smoked when i was younger whoever grew my marijuana you know did they use pesticides or herbicides we didn't think about it did they check for mold yeah, did they check for fungus did they check for dry you know you know you know all the different things now as we in, in the industry yeah. we weren't now educated back no. then so educating the masses on that because listen it's still something that you have to handle with care right mm-hmm. you know you can't we, i don't want people my biggest fear is i don't want people to be flagrant with it you know suddenly and and then making giving it a bad name like alcohol like it should be be responsible use it in a responsible manner and agreed. it's really a cool product agreed and but well, you know there's gonna be some assholes who are gonna do something yeah. and, and mess it up. Oh, I'm gonna eat five brownies, you know, at yeah. you know, at 20 uh, megs of uh, milligrams yeah. a piece. And they'll still be okay. <laughs> they'll just sleep for a couple days. I mean, but. <laughs> I mean, right? Compared to drinking too much alcohol, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. For sure. However, you get you 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 know you're gonna see the New York Post putting the first story up. Of course, when somebody course. you know, because you see with the bail reform now, like any, they don't talk about how many innocent people are getting out of prison. They only talk about the couple minority, you know, couple one or two situations where someone got rearrested. Yeah. So that's my only thing. So I think education. Proper, uh, we we gotta control the narrative so they don't use the propaganda against us. And I, I think it's really cool that you brought that up because I, I see headlines now every day this crime was committed by someone who was released because of the new bail law and you can tell that there's like an agenda behind why they're putting out these headlines and it's mm-hmm. only a matter of time until cannabis headlines start coming out mm-hmm. yep. and it's like because of cannabis this happened. car accidents it's gonna be it's gonna be right. car, it's gonna be car accidents and <laughs> yeah that they're gonna blame it on weed. they are because the cops yeah, are gonna say gonna oh you know weed. but the reality is like you know I, I, I spoke at a panel Senator Todd Kaminsky, and he's in, he's in Long Island. He's a very key senator in this because Long Island is very yeah, Long Island. 50-50 on this. They're, they're not, yeah, they're shaking, not shaky. It, but what I can tell you, I went to law school in Long Island. My law firm is in Long Island. They smoke weed in Long You're also Island. a lawyer, right, Landon? smoke weed I'm everywhere. I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer you at Forcelli Diggy Tarana. Happy Monkey World needs to know all your accolades. Come on. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one to skip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an attorney. I'm an attorney. I'm of counsel at Forcelli uh, Deegan Tarana, and we actually have a cannabis practice. Uh, Danielle Tarana, is, who actually has works in the hemp field herself. Her family has hemp. So we're we're working. We're, we're building that out. Um, I'm just of counsel, but they're, they're building that out. But... Yeah, <laughs> but back on Long Island though, the, the at Nassau County police chief of police was there, and and they used these stats from Colorado and Washington about how car accidents went up after legalization. But what they didn't talk about was, you know, what also people were using at that time: cell phones, 
social media, uh-huh. filming themselves, driving and, and texting. Che- and cherry yeah. pick. They, they, you know, like, they, didn't, they didn't talk about how a lot of the people when they were tested actually was testing more for opioids uh, or multiple or multiple pharmaceuticals. Um, and also, we also know with marijuana, like, if you get into a car accident tomorrow, but you smoked today or two days ago, and they test your system, right. it's still going to come up positive. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't necessarily mean you were impaired at the time. Nonetheless... I think where Happy Monkey comes in and we can come in, the culture, I'm the first person to admit, if I'm drinking, I am very cognizant and I won't get in my car. But when you smoke, even though it might be time down the road, I think people are a little bit more likely to say, oh, I'm fine, I'm good. So I think we do need to educate and start PSAs like, yo, don't smoke and drive. Like if you're using weed, take an Uber, take a Lyft or whatever. I think making partnerships with Lyft and Uber to a place like Happy Monkey makes sense so people aren't driving in detoxication and that helps protect our industry. No, a thousand percent. And we also know that's part of what we try to do to the best of our ability is that the number one reason that a lot of our people might get left out is the lack of information and education which is not readily available and you know what i mean that's why we try as much as possible to have people like you guys people from the corporate regulators anybody we can to explain to people especially here in new york where there's really not too much information about what's going on in cannabis so that people could stand a fair chance because if you don't have the information and you don't really know the current status of the cannabis industry as far as regulatory or corporate how could you even stand the chance at all you know Facts. yeah but i tell people um as a bit of a counterpoint to that i also tell people you know more than you think you know from the perspective of actually building a business in the space in any space requires really knowing the product understanding why people love it how people experience it and how to bring that experience to more people I think that something that's lost on the corporate side is just the background of coming from communities that use the product, that care about it. You know, it's in our music, it's in our culture, it's in our movies. Like, we know why we love this, right? And a big thing I I was sharing earlier, a big thing about our products, for example, is we focus in on the flower, right? We're not doing the tinctures, we're not doing the oils, and that's not passing a judgment call. It's just the flower is what we love, is what we grew up with, and mm-hmm. that's the experience that we want to bring from our company. So I think that, you know, people who are interested in getting the space, where you need to be educated is, like you said, the regulations, the politics, the laws, understand where you can get in. Mm-hmm. But trust that you know from a business perspective what it takes to be successful in this industry because, quite frankly, you have more experience with cannabis than, i say, probably most of the people who are running and built these large corporations. Right. And right. that's the scary part. But he's, he's right. I've, I've seen it firsthand. You know, uh, being one, usually the only person of color in the room. Usually people came from different skill sets. But if you if you look at um, MedMen, Adam and Andrew. Andrew was the president of MedMen, was an artist, but he took his skill set as an artist to help create the the very modern, futuristic, yes, that clean, uh-huh. red and white. That was Andrew's thing. Adam, Adam actually, I think it's interesting about Adam. Adam doesn't tell, I think Adam should tell this story a little bit more. I think people would, would gravitate a little bit more to him. He was a former minor league baseball player. So that's what he wanted to do, but he just he just didn't make it. So he always tells to the, to the worker, he tells a story about how he was down to his last check, like money in his bank account. He had to make a decision, pay rent or literally buy some marijuana, right? And what he basically had, he had like a caregiver's license or he had someone else's caregiver's license and he was literally transporting marijuana and that's why he got, got, his, he got his first cash flow. 
Now, on the flip side of that, to Julio's point, where Adam sometimes had a blind spot for his privilege was when he was driving his Prius around with just a caregiver's license with pounds of marijuana in his back in the back of his his car. He wasn't worried about LAPD pulling no, him over. Not at all. He wasn't worried about Vamp stopping him. And I, him I didn't even, he didn't, he didn't probably even think about that. He wasn't thinking about that. He was thinking about being deported. Whereas, no, right? no, he wasn't thinking <laughs> right. about deported. deported. Yeah. Absolutely not. Or he had the complexion for the protection like my boy Paul Mooney says. That is exactly. a great line. So when it's, <laughs> so I think I tried to get to him. I tried to get to him on that. I was like, listen, you know, you have to understand, like, yo, what you built was amazing. Absolutely. I'm taking nothing away from you, Adam. You built this amazing, even though they might be having the troubles right now, to get where he where he was to where they have right now is a dream for most people in this industry, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he also needs to understand that you had this privilege that you didn't have to worry about LAPD dragging you down to county court, whereas if one of us were doing it, we, if we, our hands would be sweaty, our palms, you know, we'd be shaking. The whole time. The whole time, because whole we time. know all it takes is one slip. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we've just been more lucky than good and just getting <laughs> oh, through of what we've done, you know, in our lives. You know, I mean, I've been stopped and frisked in my life. I'm sure all of us have been stopped Absolutely. and frisked here. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, Stopped, frisked, and arrested for, for consuming cannabis. Exactly. Went through the system. Exactly. There you go. You know? So I've been blessed. I never went through the system. Yeah. I've been stopped and frisked. When, you know, I've never been through the system, but I'm... I'm blessed in that, or I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. you know, it's luck, man. It's, it's, it, is, mm -hmm. it is luck. How many times have you walked around with a joint in your yeah. pocket, and it's just luck sometimes that you yeah. didn't get stopped? Well, you know? I, I want to touch base on the name that you guys chose of your company, <laughs> because it's funny. Our last guest, we haven't re released his episode yet, was a good friend of ours. Yeah. In the cannabis culture. His name is Shice Bub. And the first time I heard that word piff, was probably like 15 years ago in his house smoking. So that's like some Harlem culture yes. stuff. So for you guys to flip it into something positive, you know what I mean? Plant-inspired future. How did that come about? So before we tell the story about how it came about, I, I do want to harp on that. It really is Harlem culture, Harlem lingo. Because when Shut I up. travel the country <laughs> and talk to the people and, tell, hey, and I just say like, hey, do you know what PIF stands for? What else PIF stands for? They actually don't know. Like, it, that's that's what I love about it so much. It's like it really is from Harlem, you know? It's some uptown um, shit. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of, you know, we were we were just thinking a lot about different names. Uh, and I remember you wrote one kind of like three-word monogram that we, and it's just start, mind you, this is after like two hours. Some like point, you guys whiteboarding and just whiteboarding. whiteboarding. <laughs> we were definitely yelling at each other at different points. Like, nah, man, we're not going that direction. You know, going back and forth. I don't remember what the first iteration of it was. I don't know if you remember, but you wrote three words, and then we just kept going with three words. Bam, 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 also, bam. I want to know, um, how long has it been since you guys formed your company and you actually launched? So uh, the original version was actually called Cannabac, and uh, it started with the idea of Cannabis Gives Back, and that's what we used to get the hemp processing license here in the state. That actually started about last... May. Um, us getting to PIF actually came about, I would say, October of last year, and we launched our first products in November. Nice. Uh, so we're about approaching a year. And mind you, I think one of the main reasons why we were able, uh, we were even able to move that fast is because it really took all three of us to give everything that we know from what we've learned <laughs> elsewhere to try to move yeah. this forward. Um, so we've been really blessed from that perspective, but PIF, like PIF, PIF has been around since October of last year. Great, man. I, 
I really like the way you guys turn yes. something from the culture into something positive for the industry. You know, yeah, because really like because I'm gonna keep it real. There's a lot of people like in even in other industries, they'll take the name from something from something that's happening from the culture and make it their own. Where in this instance, at least their own is making the word something. You know what I mean? Like you guys are embracing that it's from Harlem and all that stuff. So yeah, man. I mean, no, listen, it. It definitely was an iteration, and we finally got to it, and, and it just clicked. It was just one of those things we were looking at, and I was just like, "That works for me." Yeah. <laughs> like, it I, works. I like it. That's why. I, I, that's why I mentioned. Because I think I fought. I think I fought back on the can of back because I was new, and we were talking about different ones, and. You know what it was? I wanted to stay away from Canna because sometimes yeah. we're opening bank accounts yes. and oh, things like oh, that. And yeah. that actually happened to us. We got all of our insurance that, is, that we were yeah. applying to got denied, denied, denied. Those simply for having murky Canna. waters. Yeah, yeah. Those murky waters. Anything, anything you add, 422, right. Canna yep. to, Mary to. So that, 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 that's, what, that's what kind of started. That's what kind of got it going. I was like, yo, guys, listen. We gotta get away from the can. Like, let's try to let's come come. We can we can come up with a product underneath that that, that line, but let's, we need our, our incorporation needs to be something different. And mm-hmm. that and that was a negotiation. And then we just we went we whiteboarded and it came through. But sometimes when you know, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. That's it. It's like when it hit Piff, we were all kind of like, right. oh, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, and then with uh, Julio's marketing background, I he really put together the logo and then like I was I pushed on the color like I wanted tan and white I thought it was just something that worked it was simple but he put together the uh, the font and all that so you know we had to make sure we lock up all that stuff you know which we've done and um, but what I like about it though it's just clean simple mm-hmm. organic natural that's it and if you that's look at works. yeah man it's a saying that that growers have been and people have been using forever and it's so <laughs> overlooked and it's so effective Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And it's so crazy how you look at the most successful things are the simple things. Yep. Yep. Everybody that overcomplicate things and never goes yeah, too far. Yeah. And we want Piff to stand up front. Like, if you look at how our um, teas are packaged, like, that's how much, like, the word Piff means to us. Like, Piff is big and is right there. Yes, you know, what's in the teas, all of that matters, but we want you to connect with the brand and we want you to connect to the name and we wanted to get out there that it came from harlem you know i was surprised when people didn't know you can refer to weed as piff in mm-hmm. other places because i thought that was like standard language everywhere mm-hmm. like if you just knew hip-hop i thought that you know because like dipset right right they talk they refer to it as piff all the time like every single song so i thought that was just standard language so i'm really proud and, and, and to be representing the, it. The, the 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 gentleman i just mentioned that we interviewed last week he's really close to that camp yeah that's yeah. why i mean that's some harlem stuff that's what i was mentioning now we got to ask you guys something about the culture a little bit that <laughs> hey. we ask everybody that comes everybody. here julio and landon i guess you start first julio what was your first encounter with cannabis and walk us through that? Yeah. <laughs> it was the first time you got high, my brother. Was it a joy, a blood, a bong? Where was it? It was Can definitely a blunt. Era? Definitely a blunt. Uh, and we were talking about this earlier, right? I, I grew up and hung out with a lot of people in like high school who smoked, but I, I never smoked because I was in a Dominican household and I couldn't oh. take... Coming home high was not an option for People me. People don't know about <laughs> the stigmas in the Caribbean. Nah, 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 nah. So the first time I smoked was actually in college, right? Um, and it was a blunt, man. You know, blunts is all people rolled, right? Like, I, I just really started getting into joints uh, and papers and that kind of stuff. Like, 
and people were passing it around. We were in, you know, around the dorm room because you couldn't smoke inside the dorm room. So we were around the dorm room. And I was like, look, some of like my best friends that I've always known have smoked weed. I was like, I'm ready to, to make that happen for myself. You know, I'm outside. I don't have to worry about going home. I smoked and it was a great experience. You know, it was relaxing. Um, it was one of the first times that I got very introspective. And I think that that's, you know, people may say like, oh, of course you get. But like, if you've never smoked before, you don't really know the level of introspectiveness that you get when you smoke. Right. Uh, so it was a really, really good uh, feeling. And that actually started my journey with cannabis. I've always felt like a latecomer to cannabis. Uh, and it wasn't actually until very recently where I've become more of a, like it's more part of my We like to call it now you're a frequent flyer. I'm a frequent get, flyer, get right. Higher. Yeah. I'm a frequent flyer. <laughs> um but it's been it's been a really great transition. Um I was a definitely more of a heavy drinker back then as well. Mm-hmm. And I've transitioned out of that. Uh and cannabis helped me make that transition as well, which right. I think is just healthier. It's been better for my mental health, it's been better for my relationships, definitely for my pockets. Um <laughs> so yeah, it's been a, it's been a great journey, man. So you smoke with some friends? Did you smoke with like a girl? Did a girl make you smoke? Nah, I was definitely with friends at that point. My boy rolled, and that was my boy all four years of high school. We ended up living together at the end as well, and he was the dude. He always had weed on him. He always had weed on him. He, he always had one Phillies. of those guys in the crew. He yeah. always had blunts on him. He was always <laughs> rolling. And like when we had parties together, I'm I would get guy. the alcohol, he would bring the weed, and that was the party. You know, so like I always smoked with him. Um, and yeah, we just had a little crew, man, where we just passed it around, and that was it. Now, Your Mr. Turn. Landon, tell us about your uh, love love story with cannabis. So it's actually, it's actually quite similar. Um, I was an athlete most of my life. Football, oh. track. Renaissance, man. You do it all. Law, <laughs> politics. I still, I still play football. Athletics. I still play football on Saturdays, but oh, I was an athlete. I, okay. I was a varsity. I had, you know, I varsity in four sports. I was, like, my senior year, I was track, football, volleyball, uh, two different tracks, actually. So I was I was always an athlete. So I never I never I really didn't smoke in high school. So I didn't smoke until so I tore my knee up. I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus cartilage in my left knee twice. So I didn't play football when I got to college. I made a team, but my my leg just wasn't holding up. So <laughs> it was my freshman year, Whitehall. Uh, I won't say his whole name. My man Jay. I just call him Jay. Uh, dude from the South, man. He was deep in the South, man. He had this this. He has this Mississippi twang, man. Twang. It just, uh, it's funny. It's funny because he hit me up today, actually. Oh. Just like, yo, man, love what you're doing, man. Like, you know, let's talk, you know, because it might, you know, medical might be coming to Georgia. So we were just talking about what's going on in Georgia. Mm. Uh, so I used to smell it from smoke. He used to smoke in his dorm room out the window. I used to smell it. I was like, ah, I ain't gonna do it. And then I was like, ah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try it. So we didn't smoke inside. I was too, I was too shook to smoke inside the dorm. So we walked outside to the quad and we smoked. And was you it know, a joint, a blunt? It was a blunt. He always, uh, at that time, he always did Swisher Sweets. Swisher Sweets. Swisher Sweets. But I'll, to this day, I'll say this. I, I I can roll a good blunt. No one could roll a blunt tighter than him. Like, I've never, like, he rolls baseball bats. You always got, you always got one. <laughs> always, yeah. You know, like, he, it's he, an he, art. That's he, an art. Yeah. He's, a, he's a wizard with it. I can't, I can't. Yeah, just, we we he, had a J in our squad, too. He yeah, rolls, you know what I'm saying? He rolls cannons and shit. Yeah, it's just like, yo, how, like, almost, it's almost too tight sometimes. Like, I mean, but but it burnt so slow. That, and he used to do uh, optimal, green optimals inside out. So mm. I was like, you know. The, 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 oh, yeah, are, he's a roller. Yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. funny how people have, like, because one thing about going to school, I went to, so where I went to school in Morehouse in Atlanta, Georgia, it's, it's people from all over the country go to Morehouse, right? Morehouse. From all over. So you had the Cali dudes, the Washington dudes, the D.C. And it was funny to see the different 
raps and what you use and oh you got still duchess oh we don't use no duchess like right, it was funny right. people don't know that uh somebody was saying that the other day i was watching this comedian that basically that's why it's called the united states because it's like every state is like its own country it really is yeah its own culture own yeah. perspective own slang own everything food whatever and, yeah. I, and so you saw all of that firsthand while yeah, you were in but, but just but just even on on the marijuana which you call it piff you call it piff they don't call it piff some people call no. it buddha green you yeah, know what i mean all sorts of shit yeah, yeah. so the, the part of it I remember the most though because sometimes people don't don't get high their first time but i did and what i remember from it do you remember the scene in the matrix when he touches the mirror yes and the mirror starts climbing up his arm you took yeah. the blue pill <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when i when i hit it i just remember like i just felt like it hit in my my system because i was i was i was legitimately pure i didn't drink i didn't do anything b oh so, so you're super sober you know what i mean so that was the first <laughs> that was the first time really ever i think i've had you know i've had a beer maybe with my parents or whatever mm -hmm. like here taste the beer but I just I was like, yo, what is this? And then so that was my first that was my that was definitely my first time uh uh experiencing the marijuana. That's it. That's so so you pay, you pretty much fell into the matrix and <laughs> it opened up your mind and it was on after that pretty much. It was. But but at the same time though, it was a, it was a moment that I remember. Right. You know, it's something that I, I will always yes. to this day with Jay. I remember that it was it, it was it was me and him and we were chilling walking outside and you know that was my first experience. Most people vividly remember their first experience mm. of getting high. So that's why we ask when was the first time you're getting high cuz like you said some people don't get high the first time. So when was your first time you get high? And they vividly remember whether like you just said you see you gave us details yeah. of a time yeah. that you know that I, probably, I remember it. you know so I remember you know, so it's like, you know, a lot of the stigmas are being broken just by you saying that. And a lot of people telling us their situations, you know, like you're supposed to be a stoner and forget a bunch of shit. But. You know what? <laughs> what I've always found interesting is like people's first experiences or just general experiences with smoking is always with someone else. Right. It's always around people. It always feels like a fun and safe environment. Uh -huh. yeah. and it never goes too far. Right. And, no. it, and it creates really good bonds. Yeah. He yeah. just really sunk in when we mentioned it about his friend that he built a bond with from right. Mississippi. Where you said he was from? Mississippi. Mississippi. You get what I'm trying to say? So yeah. that was part of right. what helped you guys build the great bond to this day. And he, I mean, he was like the first dude I ever really met from Mississippi. I mean, deep deep mississippi draw like just like sometimes like, you had to like wait wait what you say and like he had to really listen and i probably talked too fast for him as a new yorker uh -huh. but he was also when i got to know him like he might have talked slow and this but he was also a super smart dude and really then you know he like yeah like he was, yeah. he's a he's a he's a whiz with math and he's but what i love about too he's he's a supporter of what i'm doing like he loves what i'm doing like he just hit me up when i was like yo you know we don't talk all the time but it's one of those right. people like he's, he's, he's always going to be a real friend he's yeah. peoples yeah so he was just like yo i love what you're doing yo let's chat man i might you know i might might be able to find some capital like he's just every, just like everyone trying to figure out some way to slide into this industry in some exactly. format so that was my experience and when I, and did I you become it. a frequent flyer landon after that <laughs> when did you like get into it more <laughs> Uh, definitely college, uh, probably my, my apex was probably right when I came back to New York, when I had my own apartment and back in Harlem, I was on 117th street, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's when I probably, you know, was using the most, but the, I, the irony of it all though, I think now that I'm in the industry, I actually probably use the least now. I mean, I still do. But I still probably I probably use the least now than I did when in, you know when I That's did ten funny. years ago, fifteen years ago. The irony. 
It, it, it is, but but you know what it is too. I know what I like now too. Like back when I first started smoking, I didn't know sativa. I didn't know it. I didn't know indica. Everything was haze. I got right. that haze, fam. Haze, and if you were in Atlanta, yo, they had dirt and mid <laughs> and hydro. And hydro. <laughs> that's all. You, that, that that was the three choices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so now that I actually know what I like, like I'm a I'm a sativa fan. I like sativa. That's what I, I'm a sativa dude. I like indica for one thing and one thing only, and that's if I'm with my lady. You know right. what I mean? But sativa is I can take a couple of hits and I can work. I can still read. Be Absolutely. You know, so I didn't know that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And that goes to what Julio said. We still need to educate. Yes. Yeah, so Even yeah. the people who think they know weed yeah, they don't, don't know. Yeah, no. So I thought I knew everything that had to be offered. And then I started traveling and going to there dispensaries. You go. That's and what I'm changes like, everything right oh, there. Oh, man. That's there's so much everything. new stuff Absolutely. to learn and experience. I I've, I think I've started smoking more just because I'm so excited to try everything. Like, and just yeah. have those new experiences, you know? But I'm, I think I'm the opposite, though. Like... I know exactly what type of what I want. Like I don't like to be too high. Like I definitely like. like no, you like, like the function. I like the function. Like most New Yorkers, not for nothing. Most New Yorkers, they don't understand that they liked haze so much because it was just that. It right. Was just you were able to smoke and yeah. keep going. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a new, that's a New York thing. Where yeah. I like sour where, so much for the same reason. Where yeah. dudes down south, I can see where they want like an indica where they can where yeah, they it's, chill it's cause slower they, yes, and it's yeah. chill. that's why they, they like got all cheese. day. They yeah. got all day. Yeah, and you know, I never I never thought about that, and that yeah. makes a hundred percent sense. Mm-hmm. So I think the one thing I learned from that, like like I don't like dabbing. And yeah, that's too hard for me. Because it, it just—I haven't tried it, but I don't it think it's for me. <laughs> so it just hits so hard. That's why it doesn't yeah, take so off that me. much in big cities like New York because it's so fast paced. Well, you can't I wouldn't be say up. that. I would say more for like us and like the older crowd because the youth right now are dabbing. Great. They're dabbing hard. They're yeah. dabbing and they dab sativas and stuff like that too. But for us, I think it's more of a like it, it's too much to set up. I think it reminds you of like crack and yes. stuff. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? No, that's a fact. Let's be real. It should remind you of you hitting the pipe, and There's we're from that old it, school, so we when, know. When it's something about hitting glass, where I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, because I don't really, I don't really either hit bongs either too much. So it's like, oh. it's that thing. All these things, right? I used, that. To, so I used to hit the bongs. I was gonna say, you know, everyone remembers their first time smoking. I also remember my first time I got really high. And that's because somebody gave me a gravity bomb, mm, whoa. one of those water two liter things. <laughs> I don't ever want to be that high again. You see, that's like, for real. <laughs> Our community only really knew about those strains when they came out. So um, I think that was all that was here for yeah. us as well, in, that, in a lot of ways. You know, you know. So we had the, you know, the Jamaicans gave us the chocolate tie, the yeah. dirt, and all this different Hawaiian, all Very this stuff, oily. right? All these different old school weeds and then the hydro started coming out the haze and the sours and all that stuff that was our community but in the other communities they were already reaching the different type of strains from california and all these other things that we weren't really ready or at least we weren't seeing yet in our community but yes in our community i went to catholic school and so you know the sub you know in the suburbs they had a little bit better Ithaca, where he went to Cornell. Some right. of the best marijuana grown in New York comes from that region. Because oh, think about man. it, they grow grapes. It's, it's an agricultural yes. area, so you had dudes who had plots of land and they, they just, were and they were growing because no one was checking for them, right? Right. So and also they they understood the actual science behind the agriculture, which I think is really interesting, and that's something that's being introduced to everyone. It's a plant. You know, this isn't a this isn't a product that you make no. in a factory. This, yeah, this is a plant. It's a yeah. living thing that you have to grow. It takes care, um, and I think the more care that you 
put in growing it, the better it, it just is as, as an experience. Absolutely. Obviously. Absolutely. We also want to touch base since you guys are Harlem natives. I want to start with you, Julio. What was it like growing up in Harlem and how did that play a role in who you are today? Um, Man, I loved growing up in Harlem. You know, I, I attribute so much of who I am to it. Like, my love for basketball. I grew up across the street from Rucker Park. Yeah. You know, crazy. like... Polo Grounds, yeah, baby. Man. Yeah. Legendary. Like, Kobe yeah. came through the play there. Kevin Durant, LeBron. Like, everyone came through the play there, right? Yeah, that's um, down the hill from us. You know what I mean? We call that down the hill. Y'all call us up the hill. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm from Amsterdam, Broadway. Yeah, so, you know. Upstairs are no joke, man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, a part of it, you know, it was rough, definitely, growing up in Polo Grounds. Um, especially, I was a re- I'm a really light-skinned dude. Uh, there weren't a lot of Dominicans and Puerto no. Ricans to begin with. No, no, not in the Polo Grounds. You know what I mean? No. So, um, <laughs> but it was a it was a great experience. I still have some of my closest friends from there. Um, and again, the culture, All the that music, culture the there, food. Absolutely. You know, like I remember, like my first album that I bought was. Um, um, Puff Daddy's No Way Out. I mean, just calling him Puff Daddy, right? Uh, right. Okay. Puff. That's the first one I went into that the store. That was the heyday of bad boy. Yeah, man. So it's like, it's just such a big part of my the way I speak. You know, I, I don't think I have a Dominican accent. I don't think I have, you know, I have like a no, New York Harlem can, accent. Yeah, New you don't, you don't even Harlem sound like, accent. you know, you're an uh, immigrant. Right, right, right. right. So, yeah, man, it's just, it, it's just a central part of my identity. Now, you tell us, Mr. Landon, how Harlem shaped you up. So, it's funny. He mentioned Puffy. So, my story is actually more similar to Puffy's. Um, originally from Harlem, 560 Riverside Drive. So, 125 and 12th Ave. Ooh. Um, and then, Grand's Tomb area right there, right? Grand's right? yeah. Tomb. But I was, in, I was in the Columbia University. How My dad worked at Columbia University. Um, so, what happened was my dad was big in government affairs and stuff, and he saw the crack epidemic coming. Uh, so, he had two black boys, and my pops was like, yeah, something is not right. You know, and my dad loves Harlem. My dad loves Harlem. So we moved to Mount Vernon, like Puffy. Like, people forget, Puffy, Puffy yeah, is from yes, Harlem. Yes, absolutely, but he moved, they thing. moved. Yeah, but they moved, moved to Mount yeah. Vernon. Yes. So I moved out to Money Earning Mount Vernon. Like, I lived in Mount Vernon. <laughs> I lived right <laughs> yeah, up the street heavy from D. Heavy D. I lived right up the street from Heavy D. See? Yeah. I went to, I went to the same barbershop with him and C.L. Smooth. Um, and then my, my, my story actually gets even more similar to Puffy because he went to Mount St. Michael. For high okay. school, there you go. I went to Fordham Prep in the Bronx. He went to Howard, Grand Union graduate. I went to Morehouse. Mm-hmm. So the story, or my brother, my brother, you know, has a similar story. He went to Stepanak, and then he went to Morehouse himself. So that my story is so harm, but we still went to church at home. So we went to Abyssinian Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. So when I think of Abyssinian, I think the famous thing is people remember Reverend Butts on the um, Bugs, Thugs, I mean Bone Thugs and Harmony. When I don't like, you know, I'm not against rap music. I'm against them thugs and him driving the, the steamroller over over rap records. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I grew up at Abyssinian Baptist Church. My dad was at Columbia. My dad still had a property in Harlem. So I was in Harlem every weekend with my pops. So I fell in love with it, going to Sylvia's, going to um, um, Wells Chicken and Waffles with Bet- Dr. Betty Shabazz, the widow mm. of Malcolm X. So that is my attachment to Harlem. Um, I've seen Harlem grow back. And then my brother moved back to Harlem. He bought a brownstone in like 2000. I came back in 2005 when I came back from college and was in grad school, and then my parents came back also. So even though we nice. left Harlem, we had all we had all come back to Harlem. We need that man because they, yeah. you know, we need more black folks in Harlem, man. They leaving, man. But I love Harlem. I ran for, I, I ran for Harlem. I ran for office in Harlem. I ran for city council in Harlem in 2009. Uh, a lot of people know this, but I was on a TV show called Harlem Heights on BET. Nice. So my connection to Harlem is real and legit. But I can't. I'll be lying if I didn't say. 
Mount Vernon also grew something in me. Mount Vernon is an amazing city. You got the city. best of both worlds. You got yeah, the, ain't nothing wrong with that. I still got to that. get the Harlem culture by coming uh, to us. 100%, but Mount Vernon is a beautiful place that people need to understand the history of Mount Vernon, too. Like, let's think about the early 90s. Yo, Mount Vernon was running hip-hop for a little small yes, degree. Yes, 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 I'm a home, I'm yes, yes. Like all the big moguls, yeah, all the big moguls. Heavy D yeah. was a big mogul. People don't CL understand Smooth, that he Pete was... Pete Rock, uh -huh. and then you had, you know, Yonkers, you had DMX and Mary J. Blige, and then in Queens, you had Grand Pooba. I mean, New Rochelle, you had Grand Pooba. Yeah, so, it was you know, big. There, there was this culture that came out of that southern Westchester, North Bronx area. So that helped shape me, man, and I think it gave me a, it gave me a balance, and I, I hope I make my people from Harlem proud. I mean, hell, my Twitter handle is Harlem the number four days you know because I still love Harlem you know what I'm saying so and that, but the, the crazy thing is now I live in the South Bronx you know what I mean because I try yeah, to buy my property using the South Bronx yeah, oh, yeah, what happens is York, like uh, we both don't live in Harlem anymore but it's just like they could take you out of Harlem they can't take the Harlem out of you yeah that's it you know and it's uh, straight up and down that's and, what it and is and it's just uptown right like yeah. you know especially being Dominican Grew up in Harlem, but of course I had family all over the Heights. Yeah. <laughs> running around 181st, running around exactly. Dykeman, yeah, of course man. in the Bronx. You know, I just think Uptown is his own is his own thing. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's his own culture, man. I got love for the Bronx. So so my my, my thing about the Bronx was when I was in high school going to Fordham Prep was Fordham Road. So that, <laughs> so action. That was, that was my first experience. That was the first yeah. time you ran into some Puerto Ricans and or some Dominicans. It wasn't. And I was like, that, oh. wasn't, that wasn't the Fordham that rode now nah, that we talk about. We, yeah, it was but, a little bit different. But, but there was nothing like a warm day on Fordham, on Fordham, Fordham Road. Road in the spring because it was it all. Like, oh, action all over the place. So Fordham just, on one eighty or one eighty first. Which what you taking? So so <laughs> back then. So it's just funny because you know Harlem. I went to one two five, one three eight, one three seven. I had, you know, I had my my blocks. I never went to one eight one as a kid. Interesting. I never went to Dyke. I never went right. to Dykeman as a kid because it just wasn't it wasn't my territory. Of course, right. Of so course. we talked about that. A lot of people were kind of like they kind of stayed in their like, you stay where you section. Knew. Yeah, you yeah. Stay yeah. section. No, for half your life you stay in your section. <laughs> exactly. It was different now, back like yeah. me and him, we we talked to somebody the other day, and like you know, it's so free now. Like they're like, oh, we're going to a party in Brooklyn, and we're going to a party. It's like we couldn't go to parties in no. places out no. of our. Be yeah. comfort zones? No. No, Dude, people ask me, like, sorry. how do you not know Brooklyn? <laughs> and I was like, because it's mad far, and I didn't know anybody there to go there for. Like, yeah. you couldn't just go to these places just because there was something going on there. My mom's from Brownsville. We never went back to Brownsville. <laughs> 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 just did it. It didn't work like yeah, that back then. My, nah. mom, my mom was just nah. like, nah. <laughs> it doesn't work but he's right. But, I mean, but then there was always these once-in-a-while cultural centers, though, because I always think of the skate key. Skate. Right. You know I mean? Okay. So if you okay. skate, you went to the skate keys. Mount Vernon was close to skate key, Bronx. Mm -hmm. and, but even Harlem. And like, even because Harlem, you had two choices. You ever went to the skate key or you went to Empire. You know what I mean? But so even you, even going to skate key though was kind of like a roll in the <laughs> dice. It was a gamble because back then, you know, I would say like ninety five. That's uh, when that bloody Crips thing that came in all of a Ninety six around there, like that little era. I used to b boy, so I used to go to the skate key before they used to skate. Right before everybody used to skate, we was there b boy. It's a little time, you know, once that sun comes down, big homie, <laughs> all the homies kind of come out and it gets you a little bit different. Yeah, so you better be kind of like the part of the Just the Skating crew or something like, <laughs> like that. They know you're just a b-boy and you're yeah. coming to Just the Skate, something yeah, like that. So yeah. it got to kind of be like that. Or being some dudes from Mount Vernon, you know what I mean, rolling up. And they're like, yo, who are they? But, who, yeah. but you, you just hit a, you hit a key thing, 94, 95. What else happened in New York in that time? Suddenly... 
people forget, 94, 95, suddenly Bloods and Crips a came lot, out of nowhere. A lot. And it was New like, York was never about gangs before. It, it was blocks. No. It was like it was blocks, a block, a housing, yeah, or, or a housing number, right? Yeah. Neighborhood. So suddenly when the Bloods and Crips came, and we were all, people were like, whoa. We're not California. What is this? Exactly. It was so confusing. It but was the aftermath of, of crack in a lot of ways. Aftermath of crack, but it was also death row. And remember, yeah, it was West, a lot. Coast, West yeah. Coast rap became big. But it, it was a sudden. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very sudden. And so it was interesting to see that dynamic. But like I said, it's funny how we grew up in completely different areas to a degree or sections. But similar we still had these, Yeah, we had you these still go to these places. So a lot of people would, would be afraid to come to Skate Key. But we right there in the center of it, right? Because right. we know how to kind of maneuver in these situations. And we kind of knew everybody in the situation. So you kind of knew who the big homie was. And they kind of, you know, everything was kind of cool because it kind of moved in a manner, like, you know, without unspoken. You know what I mean? There was rules without having yeah. to be said. You know what I mean? So it was like the guys from Mount Vernon. Oh, those are the guys from Mount Vernon. They, they don't mean no harm. Um, those are the B-boys over there. You know, it, but it's still, you still see the presence of the homies there. Another yeah. thing I learned there, too, me and my boy was talking about it. We were, like, me and my boy, we were good basketball players, right? So the south side of Mount Vernon was tougher than the north side of Mount Vernon where where, where, where we lived. But we used to go down and ball on the west on West 4th, and the dudes knew who we were. But we also knew, they were like, yo, these are, yo those are good kids. They're not knuckleheads. Yeah, we didn't they, get into trouble. Yeah. Like, we were, you know, we went to school. We, we just went there to play ball to get better at ball. And at the same time, though, when the sun was going down, they'd be like, yo, yo it's, it's time, time for y'all to go home. So there was yeah. a code. We, we spoke about that back then. Yeah, yeah, we spoke there, there about that, too. There was a more code of a conduct and edit, and there was just, like, yeah. etiquette. And it's yep. just, like, people that weren't involved in the criminal lifestyle, They the, the people and the OGs make sure that, other people that weren't involved didn't get affected as much back then. They were, like, very mindful of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. agreed. That's one thing I loved about playing basketball, man. It's like everyone could come together and play ball. Yeah, I mean, you know, it gets rough on the courts, <laughs> stuff like that. You play hard, but you knew who was who, and people would vouch for you simply on the fact that they played ball with you. It's yeah. like, nah, I know this kid. He... I yeah. play ball with him. And, right. and since yeah. you're right. involved in the sports aspects, you're impartial to all the other politics. Yeah, it's like, like these exactly. people are just it's here cool. to play it's ball. Cool. Exactly. I love that about basketball. I just, I, I'm just here. To, I'm just here to hit a couple jump shots and exactly. and, and, get, and grab some rebounds. So nah. now that 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 brings us all together to cannabis, right? So now when you walk in a room, right, another stoner sees you and go, "Oh, nah, he good." Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, that's Julio. Oh, he good. I smoke. It's like a, it's you know, like an unspoken, like you know, a tribe. So now, this guy's part of my tribe. He so smokes. He's part of my tribe now. So now that's what's bringing us all together. That's what people don't understand. That's why culture is so important as far as this industry. They got the people in the industry or the corporate world in general don't understand that if they don't look at it in that aspect, that this is something that kind of unifies people. And if they don't like look into that, they're never going to win. You know what I mean? So they right. got to kind of add us regardless whether they like it or not because. Stoners, like especially in New York, we kind of trust whoever's selling us whatever they have, right? Because yes. we don't, we, yes. for, for a long time, we don't know what they're giving us, <laughs> maybe, right? Maybe maybe blindly and naively. Very bright, <laughs> right. So when it comes to this now, this new industry, you kind of kind of build something that people trust. I don't think New Yorkers are going to care about legal or illegal. You trust your dealer. That's it. So you smoke with your dealer half the times. So it's like, <laughs> hey, let's just you know roll I mean? up real quick before you leave. Okay. Right. So, so, so it takes cool. a brand that they trust for them to, to for them to to follow. No They're not going to they come right? over just because it's legal. No. And Why? that's and that's and that's going to be a that's going to be a a sobering moment. 
for some of the industry in the corporate cannabis when they try to I come think, into I New think, York? I think I like already that. not in New York, but in the rest of the country, doing to the current situation of the downfall of the stocks and everything, I think they kind of learned that this year a little bit, like on the national yeah, scale. Like basically, learned. like everybody that tried year. to come in and buy the industry that has no knowledge of cannabis hasn't gone too well for them. Yeah, it's not. So, yes. It hasn't involved the culture and hasn't, like, you know, hasn't gone about it, like you said, in a tactful way, thinking about all aspects and just, like, I'm going to throw money at it. It hasn't worked that simply for a lot of the people that I've seen. So, I agree. 100%. I agree. I agree with you, but I think for, so, because I, I've had a, a seat on both sides now. I think the key is going to be branding and branding reputation. And what I mean by that is branding is not just going to be marketing. So someone who's making big moves in California, for instance, is Jungle Brothers. Jungle Brothers is doing... Jungle Boys, you mean? Sorry, Jungle Boys. Oh, the Jungle Boys, yes. Sorry, I said Jungle Jungle Brothers. Jungle Boys are doing extremely well because they have patented a genome on, on their flower that has gotten a reputation that people love. Like, I remember Men Men tried to buy them. And they were like, nah, they wanted a crazy number. And the amendment said no. And they were like, all right, we're good then. And we yeah. moved on. Cookies is kind of doing something similar. Exactly. Absolutely. So what happens is you can't skip on your cultivation because if you build up a bad right. reputation, but like that's canopy, a But both of sorry. those companies that you mentioned also at some capacity involved the culture. Agreed. Well, all the way, for sure. They went from I got you. Yes. I got you. They couldn't bypass that part. Yeah. I got you. I got there's, you. There's no successful brand, period. That's not built on trust, mm-hmm. and that doesn't grab the early so adopters what, exactly. from that particular industry. It is how every tech company has gotten successful. You grab the early adopters. That is the people who are willing, able, and want to be first in line when it comes to tech, and they go first in line with brands that they trust. You can't build a good brand without trust. And again, in cannabis, look, cannabis wouldn't even be an industry if it wasn't for our culture. You know, the reason why they right. called it marijuana, marijuana, that's that. Right. Come on. That's because they wanted know. to tie it to Latin communities in the yes. south of Texas. Yeah. We built this industry. It wouldn't be popular without us. And you cannot and, and have Africa success Africa, without us. And, and Latinos, aside from being probably, you know, type of consumers, have also been affected by it the most because all yep. the propaganda was used against us. Right. I mean, whites use marijuana at the same, if not a higher clip than we do, but we represent 85% of all arrests, but represent only 5% of the legal uh, cannabis industry. That, that has to change. That goes into my next question. Like, that I want to ask you guys two things. You guys are in the hemp industry. You guys have hemp processing. Mm-hmm, I want to know... Mm-hmm what you guys feel about the current status about that nationally in New York. And second of all, what do you guys think so the people out there can know? Like it says, like having some information, some people that went through the process, like you guys, about how is it for uh, diversity and inclusion as far as minorities to get in positions like you guys are right now? So in terms of hemp, what I'll say is that a lot of people pay attention to the product that we can smoke that we can ingest. I think what people don't see is the opportunity that exists in hemp in so many other fields, so many other industries. And what I would encourage people is to really, really, really think about the plants and think about if you're in construction, you should be looking at hemp. If you're in uh, product production around paint or any industrial supplies, you should be looking at hemp. If you've ever wanted to go into clothing, you should be looking at hemp because it makes a great fiber. There are going to be an incredible amount of opportunities in hemp, and I think that... Uh, a disservice that we do uh, in our community is not educate 
people on everything that the cannabis plant is. So that that would be my point on hemp. Um, overall, in terms of getting into the position that we are, what I want to stress is like, I, I there's barriers of entry, but it can all be broken down by connecting with people in your community. At the end of the day, I think that we have everything that we need within ourselves to be successful in this industry. Again, look, I met Landon. He had the political knowledge. My boy Marvis has tremendous real estate background, right? We're going to meet people who have product knowledge. We have people. We're going to meet people who have all these industry knowledge. And if we come together and actually work together, we can have something really successful here. And the reason why it would be successful because these skill sets are all on the outside. You can buy these skill sets in the marketplace if you really want to, but you can't buy the cultural experience. You can't buy a love for the plant and for the product. And I think that that's, that's what we bring to the table. And you need to bring that to the table. Find a way to participate. Even if you don't participate directly, you're going to make money being the lawyer, being the banker, Absolutely. being the designer. You know, you're going to make money being the person recording the, the media or behind the camera or in front of the microphones. Absolutely. Like, find a way into this industry doing what you already know how to do. Uh. The hemp industry is possibly going to change with the new legislation. Um, I noticed in the bill today there is a mention of hemp cannabinoid uh, being on a retail license structure. So that was kind of new. What does that mean? I don't know yet. I have right. to, I'm still reading. I'm still the bill. I just got the that bill this. Wild. I just got the bill this morning. So and that's what it takes right there. For the, I'm glad that you mentioned that for the Happy Monkey World to know that. In order to stand a chance, you have to be as due diligent as you are, constantly reading every step of regulation and legalization yes. that is being changed on a weekly or monthly basis. Absolutely. Like, even for me, I need a brother like you to, like, yo, call me up. Yo, brother, you ain't reading the bill. Look, this is what's going on. <laughs> no, yeah, right. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the Assumption, the Consumption Lounge, they have very explicit uh, language in it towards the uh, um, the lounges. I'm still a little confused on the difference on the processing license and cultivation and distribution license. I'm still trying to figure that out. So I have, if, if you see my PDF right now, I have like seven colors, red, pink, green, yellow, like, you know, <laughs> trying to figure like, out like, oh, this is really, not, I don't know, this is good for us. And this right. is good for us. And mm -hmm. wait, what the hell is this? And I have questions and, and I have friends I call like who are other lobbyists and, and lawyers like, yo, what does this mean? Or right. what did they mean by this? And, you know, we, it, so one thing that we're good at as a people, black and brown, we're good at being outraged, but we're not good at being engaged. Boom. So mm. something that we need Very to do well is engage better and understand how to engage the process. That's all lobbying is, is knowing the ins and outs, how to engage the process. So it's like how we talk about the community boards yep. and, and little political things. That's why yep. voting is important. When people say me voting doesn't matter, yes, not just so you have to vote, but you need to know who you're voting for. Yep. Like people don't know there's something called district leaders in New York. Yep. District mm -hmm. leaders yeah, vote on judges. That people overlook yeah. the local politics. That was, yeah, which right. is the so most, that was one thing you mentioned. Most, like, right? That was one thing that I, re I remember that you mentioned at the Source 360 thing it was a real simple situation right and you told this young lady just get you and four of your friends get a, get get this get together with you four and your friends have a little party write all of you guys write letters to this person all of the, all of you guys call this person they will come out they will talk to all five of you guys they will and whoever else you bring you bring your family members whoever if you're there he will come out and talk to you guys and you guys your voice will be heard because so few people do that. So it's, it's the, the organized, uh, um, uh, organized minority is a political majority. 
And we're seeing it happen firsthand in Long Island right now when it comes to the legalization of marijuana. So if you look at if you if if New Jersey is going to ballot right they, after all the political squabbling, the ACS said F it. We're putting this on the ballot and letting the people vote. I guarantee you, New Jersey is going to legalize marijuana at a staggering number. Mm-hmm. And politicians can be like, "But I thought people didn't want this," because what happened is like it's like people can quietly vote for something because they don't want their neighbors to know that they're for this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's that quiet suburban. They never gave them the opportunity before this. But not that. It's just there's this there's a suburban house mother. You know, with two kids who doesn't want to be judged exactly. by her PTA. Exactly. That when she's stressed out from her two kids mm-hmm. running around and all that, she might smoke a J just to to put her feet back. Like just how she used to drink a glass of Merlot, mm-hmm. but now she'd rather just have a quick J. And then she works on her blog that she's making money to help pay her bills. You know, exactly. I mean, her kids go to sleep. And, yeah. and politicians and also folks. only outreach to the people that they know that they can count on for votes. For votes. So if they don't think that they can count on you for votes, they're not going to reach out to you. They don't waste. Your, they don't waste their time. A good example of that is the Bronx. The Bronx mm-hmm. is the lowest voting county. Like we have what five times the amount of people of Staten Island, but we barely outvote Staten Island. So when it comes, you you can watch it in elections. When it comes to the city elections, come the city the city mayor elections and the city and comptroller and public advocate, mm-hmm. they don't focus on the Bronx, Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn. And then look, they actually will go to Staten Island, depending if you're kind of like a Republican or a moderate. They go to Staten Island before they move to the Bronx. That's crazy. And then, but if the Bronx organizes, you'd be like in my block, man. I have changed my block because I just know how to. I know how to engage. I've gotten my trash picked up on the block, cleaned up, the trees pruned, and it's the same thing with marijuana. So you're saying that these things, if people from our communities did these things, simple they, we, things, we would have a good chance of being included in this new because it, it, it's, it's like yes we're very good at getting in front of the cameras and yelling but a lot of the politicians know it's like it, it'll blow over mm-hmm. it's about it's about engaging the process in the long haul this is the example i give to anybody voting just voting is like getting a girl's phone number you got the number that's great you got to call her you got to mm-hmm. text her you got to take her out buy Absolutely. her flowers Absolutely. you got to do this it's the same thing with politicians it's a great analogy you got to you got to you got to court them when you court them, to Julio's point, you get their attention because you. You, you ever get those polls on the phone? Yes. Like, like who are you gonna vote for? I always do those polls. Why? Because your one polling represents like a thousand people, so I can help change what people think on a process just by answering that poll, a political poll. They're literally mm. using you to be an example, but they call me all the time because of your of, zip code, right? Because it's not just my zip code. I'm a triple just, prime voter. So mm. when they look at my when they look at Landon Days's voting record, I vote every primary general election. I do not miss an election. So they know by his point, a politician knows I'm gonna vote. So a polling agency always calls my number because they can count on me as a as a as a as a as a stable voter. Mm. So to Julio's point, the more we do that on the local level, small level, make our politicians work more, the more we'll get. Yeah, mm. because what people need to it's very yeah. important information for the community to know. Voting, man, voting. What people need to realize is that there, you know, sometimes you feel voting is obsolete when you put yourself as one in the context of the 13 million people in New York City or right. all the people in, in the United States. But the reality is that not everyone does come out to vote. So when you do vote, you represent way more than just yourself. And the more that you come out, the more that you vote, the more that you organize around particular causes or a particular politician, the more they actually, like he said, listen to you, cater to you, and can deliver the things that you want them to deliver on. And you can hold them accountable to it as well. 
and we have something else coming up this year too the census yeah that's oh. gonna be huge i mean not it's to give, not huge. to dwell into a whole political argument but the census yeah. is important like you guys are dominican right so there's yeah. some people that are here illegally right or not documented and they're afraid to fill out that form because they're like you know there's trump in office i'm scared they're gonna use it against me mm-hmm. but they're here they're using services here they're going to public school here we need them to fill out that census because we need New York City to get the true representation of our population. So we get right. the tax money and the services that our city deserves, right? Because we give so much money. We Our city gives the most money in the entire country in taxes, right? But services are limited to us. So that's why engaging census, all of this stuff in, in, in the aggregate matters. You might not be able to see the, 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 the forest through the tree, but it really does matter and on in the macro and micro sense. So... We can use cannabis to get people engaged. We can use cannabis to get young people involved. Absolutely. And the more we do with that from cultures and saying it in Spanish and English and French, you know, New yep. York City has more languages than any place in the world. We have a chance to really conform things and use cannabis as a political, social, and friendship, family. Like, it really can be a communal thing. And that's what cannabis has always been. Cannabis has always been political. It's always been social. It's always been for driving change, you know? So it's like, again, it's, if you remain true to it, you can live and really have it, like, you know, accomplished within you and accomplished within the community the things that you want to see happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys heard it first here in Happy Monkey World. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an election year. If you want to be included, if you want to have your due right and voice heard yes sir there's a lot of elections this year there's actually a lobby day coming up this tuesday that me and yeah, ramon will be attending you need to let these politicians hear your voice because it makes a big difference as these gentlemen said they're prime examples of what minorities can get when they understand how to how to work this legal and political system correctly and get our due that we deserve but as landon said you got to do your, you got to do your part absolutely and Guys, I'd like to thank you guys for having us on board. Uh, it means a lot to us. We know you guys are the culture, and we're just, you know, trying to be a part of it. And uh, to anyone out there, thank you for your support. Please check out our website, www.livepif.com. That's L-I-V-E-P-I-F.com. And follow us on IG uh, and Twitter at livepif, L-I-V-E-P-I-F. You can also check us out, Plant Aspire Future Piff, on Facebook and LinkedIn. That was perfect. That uh, was perfect. Now we got to ask you guys the million-dollar question. Million. We ask right. every million. guest that's ever been on here, and you know, you guys are some young professional entrepreneurs, so we really value your opinion. Absolutely. Let's if see. We, we always ask every guest that comes on here, if you had to describe Happy Monkey, the brand, the, the brand, movement, the uh, movement, everything you guys know about it, and you had to describe it all in one word, what would that word word be? Start with you, Julio. Oh, man, you know, I, I have to go with the first impression that I had coming in here, and it was just guts. You know, when I came in here, I was like, these guys have guts. They came in here, they created the experience that they wanted. They brought people together to do this out in the open. What everyone's been hiding behind closed doors, these guys had the guts to bring it out. I'm telling you, when I walked in here, I was like, this is what it can be. It was, you know, I I read a lot about cannabis. I walk into the dispensaries. You know, we're working to live, live the life, walk the walk, talk the talk. And I felt when I walked in here, I was like, Oh man, this is this is it. Like we're here. This thing is gonna happen. You know, people are creating 
a lounge in the Times Square area. Like, this is the time, man. So I, I, I really appreciated that experience. Um, and I think you guys are doing awesome. Thank you for those kind words, Julio. We appreciate you. How about you, Mr. Landon? Uh, I think it's, you know, history repeats itself, right? So 100 years ago, we had the prohibition of alcohol. So 1920, right? Mm -hmm. In 2020, it's the prohibition of marijuana. So what did you have back in 1920? You had speakeasies. So this was a, this is the very definition of a speakeasy, a nondescript spot that you walk up into, you know, it's chill. You had no idea what I had no idea what I was walking into, but there was no issues. People would chill, speakeasy. It's just easy speaking with your people, smoking a joint, smoking a blunt, kick back, relax, talk. It was diverse. It had a true sense of New York. Like you saw white, black, Spanish, Asian, young, old, rich, poor, you know, middle class, working class, like. That's something that you don't get to see that often in New York anymore. And I hope we don't lose that with legalization because suddenly, you know, people like to stick with their own class sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that the mix, um, the unification stays because to me, that is when New York is its best. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing, yes, I know crime is down to historic lows. I know New York was a lot grimier 20 years ago, mm -hmm. but there was something about that we were all in it together and that, that is culture. kind of yes. missing. You don't have that. We're all in it together anymore, uh -huh. and I think that's the. I think that's what's hurt in New York more than what anybody. That's why, you know, those con these million multi million dollar condos are empty up in the city. You know, what I mean, that's not right. Uh, when when people being pushed out of their homes have been here for the last thirty years, so you know, it just brought back something. So speak easy is the word I would use. Thank you for those kind words, Thank, Mr. Landon. Yeah, man. very, very, it means very a lot kind from you guys because you guys are some. You know, amazing entrepreneurs. You know, we appreciate all you guys stopping by here and gracing us with your Absolutely. presence, your insight, and your knowledge because Absolutely. we all aspire to inspire. And I always tell, like I talk to a lot of the big corporate people, and I always say that it's important for people like that look like us, especially like you guys, to be in these positions because when the community that's listening right now hears it from Julio and Landon. They know it's feasible. They know it's possible because people that look like them that come from where they come from have done it. If not, it feels unattainable and they don't even feel like they can participate. So it means a lot to have, you know, some people like you yeah, guys, some, you know, natives and minorities exactly. to be in these positions to really, you know, open the way for the rest of the community. Yeah, man. I, I really appreciate you having us and, and creating a voice for this. Uh, and if there's anything that this audience takes away, it's just take away that it is attainable and go after it, man. Because I think that the more of us are going after it, similar to voting in the outreach, the more of us that are in this space trying to do something positive, they can't ignore us. And they can't deny all of us, right? So we need right. to figure out a way to break in and then turn back around and say, all right, how do I use the lawyer of color, right? Like, how do I mm. use the branding agency of color? And how do I use my ability to get into this industry to now continue building out other businesses and other minority-owned businesses especially. Right. And that was a great point that people overlook. Everybody that wants to get in this industry is very important as we're doing here. If we don't support each other, we don't stand a chance. Right. So, right. you know, high tide raises all the boats. We're all on the same tide, just different boats and as long as we keep that perspective, it's going to be hard to exclude us from this amazing, you know, transfer of wealth and all kinds of things that are about to happen. Yep. Yeah, man. So, guys, that was um, very uh, insightful, um, inspirational, 
And motherfucker, it just felt good, motherfuckers. You know what I mean? I'm glad y'all came here, man. Yeah, man. It was a good Thanks conversation. Us, um, sure. uh, it, it got to like it, it. It was this. I I think this show right here was basically what we were kind of like going for, especially this episode right here. It was it was basically corporate professional hood cannabis. You know what I mean? I wanted to mix it all. You know what I mean? And this is basically what we aspire to do as far as, you know, Happy Monkey. This is That's what the brand does, bringing all these aspects together because in all reality, we all need each other. We live on the same planet, guys. You know what I mean? So thank you guys for coming. Um, let's uh, lead these guys with a round of applause. Thank this you. Was dope. Thank you for having and us. Holy Orlando for blessing the boulevard with your presence. It was dope. It was dope for having you guys. Um, uh, Everybody definitely tune in. It was a motherfucking blessing with my brother Vlad here on the boulevard with Landon and Julio. Everybody definitely love, light, and a lot of uh, respect and smoke cannabis, motherfuckers. So the next episode, guys, we wish you guys health, wealth, and cannabis in abundance. Peace. What's good, everybody? This is your nigga Ralph trying to keep you fresh with the info from Happy Monkey every single podcast. You already know what it is. If you haven't followed us yet, follow us on Instagram at happymonkey underscore or happymonkeygoodies. Now, remember, that's monkey with a U. Also, if you haven't checked us out, we're on YouTube. So check out our channel, Happy Monkey TV. Keep us current, live, everything with the culture.